Say, man, you, you made this legit. You got you prepared. You got a background. You got a legit microphone. This is this is no this isn't like some fly by night podcast anymore. No, not anymore, man. I'm trying. Like I still got to get rid of some old footage of my poor uh, quality. <laughs> but, no, man, that, oh. that's 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 gold. That's that's what they show. Of course, that's again that's what Joe Rogan got caught up in keeping the old stuff. So maybe you should go ahead and delete it all. But you know what I mean, man. it's just it's nice. Just kind of where you started. Yeah, just shh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it takes a lot. I mean, it's even cadence. I mean, I even, like I said, you know, my, I've noticed even on my traffic stops, you don't realize how fast you talk until it's like reported back to you and how your cadence is and how sometimes you're just not intelligible. I've, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I was talking on a traffic stop once. And I'm like, I, mean, I can't even understand what I'm saying. It's just because you think you're talking slow. And I've got to consciously sometimes slow down to even like a ridiculous pace in my head just to make it sound normal. And right. I think some people just, they don't, there's a flow, there's a, there's a cadence to talking, there's questions to ask. And I think it's like anything else. Like people, I try to do stand up comedy. It's like, Oh, my friend's telling me I'm funny. It's like, okay, you, you know, you might have a couple of zingers you tell at a party yeah. and then you get a little drunk and you seem funnier than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Then you get up on stage and you got 30 people, you know, waiting for you to say something funny and your two jokes bomb. And you got nothing else. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a definite <laughs> skill. So yeah, doing the five spot like <laughs> yeah, just, like that's all I got. It's my time. Thanks. You know, right, so, man. Like people, yeah, yeah people don't realize how much work it is. Like, and that's one of the things I've that made me appreciate the art more. Like at first, you know, you watch something and it's funny. You laugh. Maybe it makes you think a little bit. Maybe it ruffles your feathers. Whatever. And then you go on about it. But like hearing Rogan and all those old comments talk about the craft, whew, it just makes me like it that much more. You know? Yeah. Lotion up my arms here. Yeah, man. Now let me talk to the audience real quick. So, uh, yeah. Welcome back to What the Frap. I'm your host, Jay Zilla, as usual. And, you know, you, you see me put my lotion on. So when I talk with my hands, I'm not blinding y'all with the, the crisp whiteness of my knuckles. Uh, today I have with me. It's not like a Bron <laughs> like James. Right, the powder thing just. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have man. with me today, Officer Mike Lee. Welcome back to the show. The new and improved, what the frout, if you will. Yeah. yeah, this is this is definitely. Yeah, man. So how have you been? Talk to me. How's the family? What's going on? What's changed since the last time we spoke? Uh, yeah. Kids are getting older, as they tend to do. Um, they, you know, get more involved in sports and stuff, and become more independent. So I'm not having to, you know, check on them every two seconds. Now it's up to like ten. So you know, as long as no one's bleeding or crying, that's usually we call the day success. Um, yeah, just uh, doing my thing right now. Like I said we're, we're still working nights uh, for the apartment I work for. And it's, you know, I enjoy it. And right now, because obviously the kids are, are still youngish, like the oldest being 12, um, you know, the night shift and where, where I'm currently at really is just beneficial for the family. I mean, I'll, I'd love to get promoted at some point, but the problem is once you get promoted, then you're kind of how it works, obviously, with seniority. I can kind of take my shift because I'm, I'm – high seniority at, at the level I'm at. But once you get to the next level, then mm. you're at the bottom of that level. Mm. That makes sense. So now you're, now you're, you're schedule wise. Yes. You're getting paid more, but you're how you can't, you are bottom of the people of that level picking your schedule. So um, for me schedule right now, once the kids kind of are able to, you know, I can go to sleep and, or, you know, be at work and they can be by themselves at the house or, hours at a time without me freaking out. Yeah, I'll probably, you know, move on to something different. But right now, you know, this is this stuff works for me and I enjoy it. It's, you know, I, I enjoy, I mean, the reason I got into law enforcement in the beginning is just that everything's it's always different. Um, so you know, I, I hate I hate jobs that are just every day is the same. Just sit down at your your desk, click, click, click. You know, I I, I I can't, I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I did it for a long, a long enough time and, and 
just I it's just nice to to be able to you know respond to a call or something like that or you know you think it's gonna be a normal day and then all of a sudden everything just goes haywire and uh you know just breaks up the day so to speak that's crazy that can happen at a drop of a hat right like i, I couldn't yeah, imagine all my, all my I, you know like i said all my crazy instances i could probably tell you about i mean shoot i had i had two two resistings what we, what we call an rtr uh basically anytime something goes haywire something that wasn't that wasn't supposed to happen happened where you got to call a supervisor out they got to do some kind of investigation usually someone's resisting arrest or there's a tar chase or something to that effect um and i had two of those in one weekend which i hadn't had i hadn't had an rtr and probably before that uh about eight you know four five months and then before that even like eight nine so it was just like two in one weekend and um you know as i said it's just different you never know you think oh you know that was a crazy incident i probably won't have another one again for a couple of months and it's like nope next day you know Sometimes twice a day. It's yeah. So so what's what's RGR? And look, I, uh, I, wait before you answer that, I gotta fix something real quick. I was not able to hear my background music. See, I'm okay with being completely open with just how low brow this is. Boom. Right. So I don't mind stopping it for the people who understand that I'm trying to class this joint up for you people. Yeah, right, I nice. want you people to share, like, subscribe, all the things, but I, I'm trying to class it up a little bit. You know, we got the background, we got the the ambiance, we got a smart guy on here. Like, it's it's great. So please, first, I want you to answer what is RGR? Like, what does that stand for? Uh, it's actually RTR. It's a way RTR is response to resistance. It's a short version of it. And again, that's anything that um, you know. A normal, a normal traffic stop or an arrest is just, you know, all right, sir, put your hands behind your back. You put your hands behind their back. Handcuffs go on. They go to the back seat. Everything works fine. Mm -hmm. The the probably the lowest level, like the first lowest level RTR would be someone just, um, you know, not wanting to get handcuffed, kind of like not fighting you, but not doing mm -hmm. what you're asking to do. Um, and those, there's it's a gray area. Um, I've been at. Uh, I've been at different uh, locations within the agency where it's like, as long as there's no blood involved, I don't get a straight knee or something. It's not really an RTR, it's fine. Others, it's mm -hmm. like if there's any kind of resistance at all, we gotta do an RTR. And all an RTR really ends up being is a supervisor comes out, they assess the situation. Is this, you know, is the person who was involved okay? Ambulance, what kind of, if there's an injury, take a picture of it just to, for documentation. They write up something that says, okay, this is, basically kind of an independent person that wasn't there, their assessment of what happened. I write up my report and then it goes up to my boss, our boss. And then we have a, what's called an RTR board, which is a board member of, of senior staff who then they look through it and make sure there was no, uh, uh, anything that needs to be disciplined or anything that affects. So violations of policy, violations of constitutional rights, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's, it's a whole process. It's not, it's not fun because obviously, you know, you don't an elevated enjoy situation. having your stuff. Yeah, you, because again, a lot of it's opinion. A lot of it is, well, you could have done it this way, or maybe you should have said this instead of this. And it's like, well, I mean, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe. And it's, but it's a lot of ifs and this, and maybe this would have happened. And if you would have tried this, maybe this. It's like, okay, well, it's a lot of it's conjecture. It's like, well, look, considering the situation, this is the choice I made. If I would have made a different choice, could it have gone differently and maybe better? Sure. Could it have gone worse? Sure. You know, like we don't, we can't go back in time, try a different scenario. So unfortunately, you know, and it's a little frustrating because our RTR board is made up of a lot of senior staff who haven't worked the road in about 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So I know I, I've seen different ways of doing it. I've seen other, other agencies. They, uh, they have like a rotating art uh, resistance board where it's like, their lower level officers, sergeants who work the road still, they rotate in and they rotate out. And I think that's the best way to do it just because one, they have real time experience. They've worked the road recently and it, it keeps them honest because yeah, you're on the board now, but next week you won't be. You might be the one mm. in front of the firing squad, so to speak. So 
you know, I like that. if you're if you if you're not put if you're putting out BS, you know, findings like oh this person violated policy, they get they should spend them for a day or two. It's like okay, well, next time when you're on the RTR board, we'll use that same logic for you. And they're like you know, so it kind of keeps you honest versus someone who has you know who's senior staff who's never who's not going to make a traffic stop ever in the rest of his career. He doesn't any fear of that of you know his rulings going against him. So they can kind of do whatever they want. So that would be how I would improve it, but they don't generally call me for my opinion. So, <laughs> but I like that. I do. I mean, it's sort of what government is supposed to be, right? Be careful. Right. If you're, if you have a Republican house in Congress, what you do, because if the vote goes the other way, you can expect that same thing back. You know, I think oh, Republicans I think... are a little bit more gangster and like, nah, we're going to do what we want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in general, I think, I think they should have, I mean, I've always been a thing of term limits. I think you want to, I mean, you can debate about how, how much time you're allowed in Congress, but yeah, I think, you know, you make a law and after, you know, your term limit ends in six or 12 years, you go back to the civilian world and live within the laws that you just created versus you live in, you know, Washington, DC, you do your, th you make your laws that generally apply to everybody else, but you, and then you can stay there till you're 85 and you know, you live out the last two years of your life back home, which you haven't been in. You know, it's like you really haven't, you know, been back home and done those and lived in that area and really lived that life that you're trying to, you know, trying to rule on. I mean, that's it used to be when it started, you know, a not to say part time, but you you went, you did it, you served your time, and you went right. home. And I, I, I don't honestly, I don't understand why. Like you want to, to be honest. Like I think. It's like it's not like I've ever heard of someone's like, oh, he was a U.S. senator. Now he's selling heroin. It's like they're fine. Like they're not. You're if you're a U.S. senator, you're gonna go home. You'll be a board member at some company. You'll be a, a lobbyist. Like you're you're gonna be fine. You'll probably make more money outside of Congress. For sure. So it's like I don't. So it's like I just I have never personally understood why you want to be 85 and still doing that. But maybe that's why I'm not a congressman, I guess. But it's the I game. Mean, I, I it's the imagine. game. Like, you wrestled, yeah. you played sports in high school, right? Like, yeah. if you could still get paid six figures, you get that for the rest. Like, if you are of the level in Congress, you get your uh, six-figure payday for the rest of your life. So then it becomes, they're not chasing money necessarily, but the idea of influencing money and, like, just people. It becomes a different right. game. And if you could play football, I mean, a la Tom Brady, right, till you're a thousand years old, which I'm pretty sure that's how old he's going to be when he finally retires. Like, he's going to outlast football. Like, football is going to go straight to esports, and then Tom Brady is going to be number one in that. Like, I, don't give me something. Yeah, that's that, honestly, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different mindset. I mean, I, I actually, me and my friend were talking about that, about Tom Brady. And I, you know, I say it's, it's just a different mindset. Like, for me, like once I became, if I was Tom Brady and I won a Super Bowl, won several, right? And I, mm -hmm. I even said like, look, I see maybe he wanted to go to a different team and see if he can win somewhere else. And that way it's kind of like, is it Belichick or is it Brady? Who, who was, you know, who was more important? Obviously with Brady, he went somewhere else and immediately Super Bowl champions. So it's like you, there is not one doubter anymore about you are the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, you, there's no more mountains to climb. There's nothing he's going to do next year that's going to be like, well, yeah, he's even greater than we thought. Like, dude, you're, just take your millions, take your trophies, and enjoy the rest of your life. I, I, and that's why I said, I guess that's why I'm not the greatest in anything, because I just don't have that mentality. <laughs> I, I, got, I want simpler things. Like, I just, I could not imagine doing that. You know, and I, I said this even, again, talking about politics, about, you know, these Supreme Court justices that stay until like they're 85. It's like, why? Like you're right. a Supreme Court justice. There's no, there's nowhere else to go. There's, you are at the highest level. You're 80. Go enjoy the last five years of your life with your family. <laughs> and go take, take the time, go to a beach. You, I mean, you're, they're going to name high schools after you. You're probably the most famous person from your entire neighborhood. You are it, you know, you, you, you know, what else is there for you in that, in that arena? You know, 
and, and they'll stick around until until they literally die in the chair that they're in. Like I, I, I don't get it. And it's know, a lifestyle. It's hanging on to lifestyle. Like I, there's a show on Netflix, House of Cards, from the very canceled <laughs> and should have been canceled. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I used to watch that. Uh, I watched the first four seasons. Of this, yeah. I, so when he's talking out. about, you know, he's talking about Remy, right? Uh, Frank right. Underwood is talking about Remy to directly to the uh, the audience, and he says he can't. Uh, he had a choice between money and power, and he left for money. See, I've got no use for someone like that. Like that's it, man. That power, the influence, yeah. to be able to walk into a restaurant. And people go, oh, Senator so-and-so, representative, blah, blah, blah. There's something that's right. just intoxicating about that level of power. Right? Yeah, I mean, obviously it is. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's prevalent through everything. I mean, there's people, I mean, I, I know a police officer in our department. He's almost, he's like the longest serving uh, officer, like in the history of the state. And I think he's got to be, he's got to be 65. And he's like a road unit. Like, he's not like the colonel or like some guy who's works he is out there working the road and mm -hmm. he started when he was 21 like the youngest he could start so he's been in it for 40 years i'm like dude again what else is there man just go you can retire today you're going to retire with plenty of money you know what else is there for you to do and i guess i mean it just comes down to me i guess i just in my life i've always just wanted a family i want enough money that i can go on a trip that I don't have to worry if like my car breaks down, that I like I don't have a car today, or my my refrigerator breaks down. Like once I hit that level, everything else, like yeah, it's nice. If you hand me a million dollars, I'm going to take it. But you know, am I am I going to you know spend every waking moment away from my family to make it? No, like that's my what I want is a family. What I want is those things. Mm. And you know, I think that's I think some people. I just really. Uh, they just lose sight of that. I think we even talked about that last time I would talk to you. I mean, people like Urban Meyer, who they have achieved so much in, in their professional career, but they mm -hmm. left their family behind. It's like, why did you even have a family? Like, if you, I mean, it's fine. You don't have to have a family. But if you're going to have a family, you have responsibilities that go with them, too. And, you know, yeah, you, you achieved this greatness, but now your whole family doesn't even know who you are. You know, yeah, but they're so malleable. So like, and if you look at all of the support that his family, right, from his older kids and wife, even with all these allegations and all the stuff that he did, mm -hmm. right, right, you still see an, an over, an overly supportive family, right. So my thing is, we hear about the crazy man Urban Meyer, how he spends basically twenty five hours a day <laughs> working on football stuff. But who's to say he doesn't have some sort of core time with that family, especially in like off season seasons and things like that? I mean, there are well, no, all I, throughout I, history. I used right. I use that example because he actually I saw a documentary just before all this stuff with Jaguars happened. Oh, okay. He said his his daughter is a college was a, was a Division one college level volleyball player, and he never saw one single game, not one. Yeah, I'm like that's insane to me. Now again. Maybe his daughter was fine with that. Maybe they all, it's kind of like new. Like dad is, mm -hmm. I mean, that was back in the 50s, kind of how it was, right? Dad does works. Yeah. Mom he disappears. He comes kids. home to yell at us and eats the, the yeah. biggest piece of chicken and goes to bed. Right. And, and like I said, that's, hey, if, if everybody's cool with that agreement, hey, man, that's great. You know, you've, you kind of all found where you want to be. But I don't know. I just, I, I see a, a lot, you know, and that's just in the society where I think, you know, prestige and power and money generally is considered like what you need to be achieving and if you want to spend time with your family like you, if your goal is just hey look man i just want to work i want to go make my money i want to leave on time and go spend time with my family it's like well you're just you're, you're lazy or you're just you're not driven enough it's like no i just know what i want like i don't want to be i want to do my job while i'm here i agree nine to five and i'm going to do i'm going to work as hard as i can from nine to five for you that was our agreement right and then when i leave I'm done now. I have what I, why I'm working for you is I'm working so I can spend time with my family. I'm not working for you so that I can, you know, be the best for you forever, like to be the, the CEO or whatever. Like, it's I, definitely not for the I money, right? Right. So it's like, I, but I think that's a lot of times that's seen as, well, you're just not driven enough. You don't, what, what, why don't you want more? It's like, 
I've got, why is it, why is it not okay to say, I got enough for right now? You know, mm-hmm. now if something changes, if I get 12 more kids, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably need some more to, to, to live that to lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, you know, and different arrangements happen. I mean, people get divorced, you know, especially in, in law enforcement happens all the time and that money changes. Yeah, things change, but you know, I think in just in general in life, you just gotta, people need to sit down and really think, what do you want? I think people get so, they're so, uh, they, they don't know why they're unhappy with their life. They're like, they're working hard. They're, they're a manager, they're a, de- a director of whatever, and they're unhappy. And they don't know why. It's like, because you never, you never wanted to be that. You never wanted to be a director. You wanted mm-hmm. to spend time with your family or vice versa. Maybe you never wanted a family and your wife is just, constantly yelling at you, you're never home, you're never, you know, you're not spending time with the kids. You never wanted kids. Why did you have them? Like, because you know, you so if you don't want to have to. kids. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you're, we are all told society, not only do you have to have a family, but you also have to be, you know, again, to strive and work 80 hours a week if your boss tells you to. It's like, those aren't compatible. Um, and so you have to find a balance. You have to work it out with your family and say, look, you know, if I'm Urban Meyer, like, look, I want to be the greatest football coach of all time. I'm going to be gone all the time. Like, you're probably going to see me an hour a week. If you're okay with that, let's do this. If you're not okay with that, you know, we we we're, we can't do this. But I don't know. I, I just that's, maybe I think he has that support. Times, but I, I want to say I feel like maybe he's the type of guy who like he's better off loving from a distance. You know, when he's here, he's yeah. a madman. I coached high school sports. We, I think we talked about this last time and was mm-hmm. like yelling at kids about plays in my sleep. Like I can't imagine what he does on his level, right? Yeah. Like it's probably yeah. best like go keep making this money, keep moving us to beautiful places, giving us experiences and we'll value that over actual time with you. It's all about who you value. But I mean, what do you do Better. when you are sold to the American dream, right? If you work hard, you can afford a really nice house with a white picket fence, a couple of cars, and three kids, right? And that that was the dream for a long time. And then something started to shift in the 80s. Responsibility. Like we talked about before, these guys, like, the the ultra-rich were paying near 90% taxes, which sounds crazy because, I mean, that's before you take all the philanthropy stuff you know i'm watching a show on hbo right now the gilded age i think really good when they talk about how it was this competition to see who can give the most right i mean that was that was your just a way of old society but there was a huge switch in the 80s where they were just like but what if we just pay less in taxes right but we keep ramping up production and cost of living you know, yeah. and then I mean, I, well, that's what happened. Yeah, it's a there's a dynamic structure that's changed. I think again, the, the old business model of dad goes to you get married, dad goes to work. Even if you're working a job that doesn't require a college education, you're getting middle class wages. You can afford a house, not a big house, it's a house that can that can you know field your sometimes. I mean, especially a big Catholic family like my dad was nine kids. Mm-hmm. You know mom stays at home that system works as long as there are middle class jobs available for people who don't have that get the minimum amount of education as long as that's the case that system works and that the the, the females don't mind staying at home and being the moms that system works now when those jobs that don't require that don't require college education do not support a family on its own, then mom has to go to work. She can't mm-hmm. just be the homemaker. So now you have two people leaving the work. So now you need childcare, which is astronomical. You got to pay for that. It's so and then, I mean, yeah. And then, I mean, especially just the cost of everything. I mean, you might, now you got to go to college. Well, student loans cost, you know, back in the day, you know, you could go to college for a couple of thousand dollars. It was manageable. Now it's tens of thousands of dollars. So now you're going to have student debt just to get a taste of what a middle-class life is probably both of you yep and then so you're working on those now you got i mean again even cost of just everyday life i mean internet connection you didn't have an internet connection you didn't have a, a you know time warner cable bill 
in the 50s. Right. You know, you had an AT&T bill that was probably just your landline. Now you got two cell phone lines. You've got not just electric, water, and gas. You've got internet. You've got cell phone bills. You've got student debt. I mean, those are all costs that didn't exist 70 years ago. Mm -hmm. So now, and again, you're fighting with two jobs that used to equal what one job was in the 50s. Um, and you need a college education just to get that. So, yeah, and I think we're still trying to figure out how to make that work. And honestly, it's it's not sustainable as a, as a business right. model um, in my eye. And I don't... I. I don't know how you would fix it. You know, again, I'm obviously on the more liberal side. I think we can start doing, you know, universal health care. I mean, I, that number, that number one alone is, mm. is huge. Um, I think we need to start making the bachelor's degree programs like public schools, like the, the, the inflation. If you, if you need a bachelor's degree to get a job that you used to be able to get 50 years ago, with a high school degree, then that needs to be part of the high school program, like high school yes. needs to be two years longer, you know, or whatever it is that that. So when you walk out in public education, you can have a reasonable shot at a middle class, normal life. Um, that's just not the case anymore. And so we basically privatized all that. So you're on your own. And if you get the basics education, you're not you're you're not going to make it. And so good luck, you know, unless you, you know, unless you have an app or something that, you know, or you buy Bitcoin at the right time. But outside of that, yeah, it's not a, it's not a sustainable thing. And I think it's being sold as that. It's like, well, it's, it's a you problem. You, you know, you're not working I, hard I get mad at my, Yeah. I get mad at my parents, especially people, the, the baby boomers of the world. They're always like, you know, when I, back when I was, you know, your age, I'm like, yeah, back when you were my age, again, <laughs> you could walk down to the steel mill down the street, if you didn't feel like going to college, walk down the steel mill, you had a union job with a pension and you could work mm -hmm. and then have a job and have three kids and support your wife who didn't have to work. You didn't have to go to college. If you did go to college, you were guaranteed a job, guaranteed mm -hmm. a manager job with your liberal arts degree that meant nothing. And you had to pay $5,000 for it. So, you know, I, I, that, that stuff always drives me through the wall. It's like, well, it's just this, this generation is just lazy. It's like, it's a different generation. You know, you right. can't, you, why don't you want to move? Why don't you want to move out at 18? It's like, they can't, you can't <laughs> buy it. You can't, you know, they would love to not live with their parents. I don't, I can't think of one person who is happy to stay living at their parents' house after they're 18. Uh, your niece. Not like, yeah, give okay. me all, afford me all, <laughs> afford me all of the, uh, you know, the adult allowances, right? and pay for some stuff for me right but yeah right. she will live I, here I, until she dies i bet you i bet you if, if you if she was guaranteed a middle class job like she could make mm. seventy thousand a year at a job and it's like immediately she would love to have her own apartment and be able to get her own stuff like it's just that that's not a reality you are so, yes, underestimating yeah. how cool we are mike <laughs> yeah you know, that's true. you're missing it i mean <laughs> or, I mean, I've had friends who've done this. Like, they have that job and they still stay at home because their parents are cool with it. Now, if you could do that and work out that, that deal and yeah. make 70000 and you can bank that money, all the more power to you. You know, I, we used to make fun of the, I had a friend like that we made fun of all the time because he was voluntarily staying at home. He had a nice job. And he's mm -hmm. like, but he, he banked like $300,000 and walked out, you know, when he was 26, that house oh. with $300,000 in his pocket. I'm like, yeah, who's an idiot? I mean, I was, you know. Right, right. But so, so there it is, though, the idea of the story. You say, why not extend high school two years? I'm sure people are going to hear this and be like, oh, what? What? No, high school is exactly four years here in America. There's a freshman, there's a sophomore, junior, senior. You know what I mean? We cling to yeah. our traditions so hard. I mean, look at baseball. They have declined numbers-wise in the last, I think, 10 years every year. But they are saying, nope. We are tradition and we are this level, even though football and basketball is passing by. Like just, yeah, it's, you know, that unwillingness yeah. to change the story because we are so enraptured with stories. The ideal of in yeah. the 80s, we're going to we're going to stop crying. You know how we do this? We're going to have a, a war on drugs. <laughs> right. 
their programs, all these things that are created by big tobacco and, and, and alcohol companies. Like I didn't even know Dare had that connection. But that's crazy. Yeah, like uh, they were like, we don't want people <laughs> smoking this or making items out of hemp. The paper people say, right? Like it's a whole, it's a whole hierarchy yeah. out there that we are not even aware of. All we see is, hey, we're trying to keep drugs out of kids' hands, and and then everybody can applaud and get on board with that, without looking at yeah, to the details I, and what that actually means. Right. I mean, I think. I mean, it's a human condition, right? We always, we look back on our own lives with rose-colored mm -hmm. glasses, we think, you know, and uh, I actually listened to another person, uh, another, he's a, I think a philosophy professor, Jonathan Haidt. And it was, he, he said something, um, I, it really stuck with me, it was like last week, where it's like, we are, we have our own press secretaries in our head, right? We make decisions and then we have our press secretary justify it, right? And we, and that's the same, and it's just done at scale for people, politicians and, and generations, right? Mm. Hey, the reason I succeeded, right? The reason I have a house and I, I live a middle-class life because I worked hard. I worked harder than you. I, I was out there, you know, hustling. I worked, mm. you know, I worked 80 hours a week and I, that's, that's why, you know, then they don't see, yes, you worked 80 hours a week and that I guarantee you, you worked hard and you came home and your hands were callous from the steel mill. I guarantee you that was the case, but you had access to that steel mill job at middle-class wages. That mm -hmm. is not true for the person working at Amazon's fulfillment center today. You're not going to make that kind of money at mm -hmm. Amazon fulfillment center. And it's not union and there's no pension. And so even if they offer you a 401k, you're having to take money out of your meager paycheck to contribute to that. And that's all dependent on the stock market. If your stock market, if you walk out and the stock market collapses, you just lost half your money. A pension's guaranteed. It's not the company guarantees X amount of dollars, regardless of how the stock market does. And they have to make up the difference. So the onus on your retirement is on the company that is completely wiped away. So that's and that's how that rose-colored glasses thing works. Is it's the reason I have succeeded is because of my hard work. And if you're not succeeding, it's because you're not working as hard as me. And that it makes it simple, right? Because then mm -hmm. when you think of it that way, especially from a societal standpoint, I don't have to make any changes, right? If it's, if it's, you're failing because of you, right? Your poor work ethic, then there's nothing I have to do to change that, right? If right. it's a societal issue where there's a, everybody's failing, it's a downslope. Well, now it's a society we need to address it. There's a problem that we need to address and have some hard conversations about. And nobody wants to do that. It's much easier to blame you didn't do this right, you the are lazy you're right you did this and that way hey man sorry about your luck you know and that's I, I i i hate that mentality i mean i hate that mentality in any leadership you should always as a leader whether you're a senator or a mayor or you're you're the manager at, at at mcdonald's if somebody failed you always need to look at yourself first did i do something just something i could have done to stop this from this person from failing and yeah, sometimes it, you know, it's something you could have done, but that always should be the first question. What, why are people leaving? Why are people quitting? Why aren't, why are all my employees on food stamps that can barely make it? You know, all my, all my employees are late because they have childcare issues. Well, mm -hmm. maybe it's because you're not paying them enough and they have to try to figure out how to get their kids to X place so they can work for you. But that's nope. They're lazy. Let's just fire them because right. they should have late to work twice. And rule is two times you're done. You know, I'm like, is this happening too much? And so mm -hmm. always look in, you know, look inward first as a supervisor, as a leader. And, but that's difficult because then again, then you might be putting, you might find out that maybe it's something you did do or didn't do. And there's fault there. And nobody, nobody wants to do that. It's, it's hard. It is, right. you know, nobody, nobody wants to kind of be introspective. It's much easier to say, I'm where I am because of 100% me and everybody else right. you're on the street maybe don't suck next time you know <laughs> do better at not sucking right like yeah, uh, the mean, lone I, person I, yelling at osaka right you know you suck and she breaks down in tears it's like what what, yeah, what, what are we doing here but i love how that covers such a broad group of people right the ideal of it's not your fault it's the other's fault because if you make a lot of money and you spend a lot of time working that does justify you not doing much to help 
right? Why should I pay more taxes? Those poor souls should work themselves to the bone and get to where I am, right? But on the flip side, if I'm not working, right, and my life is in disarray, I can look at, look to my politicians who are telling me, where's the Mexicans who are jumping the border and they're taking your jobs? It's like, ah, see, it's not that I suck. They're still in my jobs. Vote for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I, it's, yes. it's, it's really interesting how stories just really do affect us. And it has, since we started, you know, first started writing things down, right? And so I bring right. up the, the D.A.R.E. program and all of that because I figured you're Officer Mike, right, Lee? But you don't really see the CO side of things, right? The, the, all the prison stuff. But, you know, I was looking at that. Oh, and it was, This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, the idea of, mm -hmm. like, how much money goes towards, like, maybe a lawsuit to settle some suit instead of training, mm -hmm. right? But then that took me down another rabbit hole of, well, how do officers get paid? So, Officer Lee, how do officers get paid? Well, that depends on the agency. So, in most states, you have some version of state police, so you'll have a, a state high patrol or state police force in some form or fashion. Um, and they are paid either by some, you know, the general funds. So, you know, some, wherever you pay in state taxes, mm -hmm. some are paid by uh, registration fees exclusively. Some get a cut of, uh, of, of traffic tickets. It's usually small, if any. Um, and then there's kind of county. Most again, most places have county sheriffs. And um, so step back, uh, like state police generally, like their their chief or their colonel or whatever their top spot is, that top cop there mm -hmm. is usually appointed by the governor. So a lot of that is state money. However, and again, that depends on the state. General funds, sometimes registration fees, depending on how it works. And then there's next level, which would be deputies, which you're like run by a county sheriff. They're elected by you by the, the you know at election time as a sheriff. And again, there's there's county. Um, there are county taxes that you get that you pay into uh, county trustees, and they generally get paid through that. Um, you know, again, sometimes again, tickets are usually tickets usually go into like a general fund as well for the count for the counties and state. Okay. So that money goes into the like a general fund for everything, and then you know they disperse it out as needed. Um, and then there's local PDs, which are like you know, your city cops, um, you know, like you know L.A., Chicago PD, those kind of places. And again, those are paid. Usually, those are more directly like city taxes. Um, there's not usually some different uh, venue for it. So, again, usually it's, it's a general fund, you know. And then they, these these places usually kind of have to decide how much they're going to put into public safety. It's usually a department of public safety, city, whatever, and then they disperse that through, you know, however they decide they want to disperse that money. Right. So then that got me thinking about that led me so I do sort of a Wikipedia thing, right? I started thinking about one thing and then, oh, but what about this? And then I, I, I'm off on another tangent over here and so on and so forth. And so I, I got all the way down to really trying to understand the differences between private prisons uh, or for-profit prisons and uh, public prisons, right? And I didn't even realize, like, it keeps, for me, all of these problems keep intersecting at one time period, right? Which are the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, the beloved Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> and that hard crackdown on so many things that uh, that affected, uh, whether purposefully or not, I'm not here to debate that. But looking at the numbers, right. it affects a, a specific group of people, right? And when I look at that, like, just in the state of Georgia, right, per capita, mm -hmm. For Scythe County, right, has a median, uh, a median. Just looking at this number makes me shudder a little bit. A median uh, per capita, right, uh, as far as salaries, is a little over a hundred thousand dollars, right. That's the median. Mm -hmm. Now on the other side for, of Georgia, uh, down there, we for a police officer or for a CEO. No, 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 no. This is just period. Like this is anybody oh, who does anything in that county. Yeah, that's that's uh, okay. the fourteenth richest county in the country so this has nothing to do with okay. policing or pro prisons or anything like that so over a hundred thousand okay. now the lowest in georgia is willard county which for them the per capita per capita personal income is about twenty one thousand. all right so that's kind yeah. of the disparity 
And of course, um, Forsyth is up, you know, northern Georgia. Southern Georgia is where Wheeler County is. Excuse me, but so those are the type of types of things that we look at when we look at as far as how policing is done, how is it paid for, how the prisons paid for. Now the private prisons, right? The for-profit prisons are usually housed in these same areas, the low-income areas, right? There's usually less food, less uh, education. There's usually less, um, oh, what was it? Just everything, right? Across the board. You talk about healthcare, all of these things are all yeah. intersecting at that. You know, black people make up less than 25% of the population, but we account for most of the abortions. Little things like this, right? So it's, you know, the black and brown communities, the lower income communities, however you want to look at it, are suffering a, a slew of issues. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how did prisons even come into come into um, to being, right? The uh, for-profit. And it literally was after the 80s, there was a huge boom and the prisons were overfilled. And then so corporations were like, hey, you know, hire us to do it and we'll take care of it. It'll save you money. We'll be humane and we'll be um, we'll be able to house, you know, the overflow of prisons. Despite the incarceration rates not being cuffed with uh, crime rates. Right. The idea that, hey, the more prisons we put in, the cleaner the streets are and crime should go down. And nope, nope, doesn't happen like that. So how they're able to justify it and and it all goes back to, you know, corporations, which the numbers show it doesn't save us money. Right. And then they have they make all these crazy rules and laws that um, they kind of put a quota on these places. Like there was I can't remember which prison it was, but it was a for profit prison. And literally they um, because they didn't have, I guess, a 96 or 97 of. Uh, occupied occupancy rate i don't know what it's called right they had like three to four percent that was free they had to pay uh the state had to pay money to compensate them now where's the state getting the money from the taxpayers so it's not helping and it's costing us money like so how do we get rid of these things well i know that's a lot the, i Sorry. think the main yeah no it's oh, fine Oh, it, the, the main problem as I see it is, I, I think, well, for one, how we got to private prisons is something that happens a lot in government, where the idea that the private sector always does it better is what happens normally is, is that these lobbyists and stuff underfund the prisons. They start by underfunding them. Like they, mm -hmm. they we have, we have an influx of, of prisoners. You've changed the laws. You've upped the... The, the mandatory minimums. So now we're going to have an influx, and you didn't give us, you didn't give us the uh, the funds to do that. And so they say, well, these prisons are failing. They're not do. They're not providing the service. Look, well, you didn't increase the funds. You gave us more business, and then you never, and then you didn't increase the funds. So the then the private companies come in and say, hey, these guys aren't doing it, right? So we need mm -hmm. to come in, and and fix this for you, and. Ultimately, they don't do a much better job, if at all. I'm sure, yeah, like anything else, there are examples of better and examples of worse. Mm -hmm. But in the end, they, they aren't they aren't providing any better service. They're generally again, they, what they do is they they hire uh, corrections officers again with lower wages, no pensions, right. basically part part time. So they they take the money from the people who are the COs. That normally, again, if you were public employees, would have pensions, would have health care, would mm -hmm. have higher wages, but acquired. So that's how they suck that money out, and then they they double and triple up on the prisons. So they they said they they say that the pu the public sector is failing by setting them up to fail, and then saying that they're going to be the heroes to come in and save them. And then so once that happens, and then so then and then a lot of times they they lobby. And they write their own rules. So they make that rule. Like if you're not have, you know, if we have 3% unoccupied, you got to pay us this money. Right. You know, and again, the because, state, which means the taxpayers. Right. And so again, but it goes to the lobbying, it goes to like these companies lobby and give money to the people who make these decisions. You know, when you put money right. into it and say, and a lot of times, again, when you see, a, if you ever read a bill that are, that are written for any, or any of these companies, a lot of times the companies themselves write them for the politicians and then they just put their names on it. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like it's hey, something Bernie Sanders talked about Bernie. often, which is why he was very right. he was he wasn't uh promoted as, as highly as some of the other candidates. Right. That's, how, that's, that's the only how it's done because they have the lawyers and stuff to, to, to write it the exact way it needs to be written so that they always are going to make the money. So the only way, again, to, to, to fix that issue, obviously, one, we just need to reduce the prison population of nonviolent offenders. Like there'd be, we're, we're starting to, we've, we've made some improvements. I think that's actually one of the very few bipartisan things I've seen in recent time, where it's reforming criminal justice, there's right. been a couple of things a lot of things. Well. Yeah. Right, and I, I think that will help stopping the mandatory minimums, letting judges make those decisions, and then holding them accountable if they let some five-time rapist out the street with you know a six-month sentence. And yeah, you should hold them accountable. And be like that ain't right. Um, that's right. why they're elected most of the time. Um, but yeah, they, they 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 need to be able to take into account things and 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 try to keep people out of prison as much as possible and leave it to the violent offenders who can't be held out in society if you restrict it to that you can reduce it and then again this is i don't want to see your arms take everybody out bye kids see we're not live it's okay (laughs) yeah so um so yeah, you, you, that is that is the way I see it. You, you, you gotta, I mean, at the base level, you gotta get money out of politics. Until you do that, a lot of this stuff is is nice in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were always these companies, private companies, were always lobby. They will always say, you know, if you try to close a private prison, you're going to lose jobs. Right. This is, this is gonna wreck your wreck your, and and they have the money and the time to do it. So. Until the the money incentive is no longer there, and you can run these things properly, none of that's going to change. And then once you get that done, then you can start working on the hard work of actually making a working prison system mm-hmm. that uh, does the job correctly. But you know, I, that's what I said before. It's like you know, we we always are trying to chip away at the top parts, but it's always about incentives. The incentives are wrong for the people who make decisions, the people who allocate our money as taxpayers to people. They don't they don't care about what you or I have to say in a general sense because I don't contribute to their their campaign and they can't run a campaign without money. And it's not even really their fault. They, they they're playing the game too. They have to. They don't they don't want to be on a phone begging for dollars, I'm sure. Right. But they have to. That's the game it's played. So until that changes, everything else is, is, you know, wishful thinking at best, you know, in my opinion. So I feel like you're not going to get money out, but what you can do is look at the two extremes that I love looking at, right? On the left side, the extreme was the entire DNC decided beforehand that Hillary Clinton is going to be president. And then along comes this guy with a story and how he Mm -hmm. speaks. And he's like upbeat. He's a little younger, like, Something about this fella, right? And DNC is still like, nope, nope, nope. They're blocking ads. They're blocking all of his requests for funds for, uh, you know, promoting himself. All that. Same thing they did with Bernie Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. you know, but he's, his popularity and his uh, his fundraising swell, swell, just swelled to such a, like, ridiculous amount of money on his own that they had to kind of bring him in and, and give him a fair shake. And then it becomes a two-term right. president. <coughs> there one uh, young Barack Obama. The other extreme right. is Trump. They laughed at Trump, the RNC did. <laughs> yeah, this is this is great buzz, but you know, have your fun, Donald, and then get the crap on out of my face. But again, he had a story too. It was a darker story. <laughs> But he he was hitting all the notes, all the notes. It's not your fault, it's their fault, right? He was like, you know, uh, a dumb Hitler. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're taking your jobs. Hey, rich people, they're taking your taxes. Hey, I got all of you, right? While telling mm-hmm. the poor people, like, and I'm going to bring back coal and all, all these fantastical things that never happened, right, in the four years he was there. So I'm looking at those two examples, and I'm just thinking, like, man, you can dress us up you can add technology you can add twitter and all these things 
But deep down, it really does come to who's the better storyteller, right? That's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren with their facts and Marco Rubio and Huckabee with their facts. Get them out of here. I don't want it. The right didn't want it. The left doesn't want it, right? Give me that guy who's talking crap and saying all the things I want to hear, right? Give me that guy who oh, makes me believe in me and want for change, you know? incredible right and that's that is that works i mean we have i'm sure you have examples i mean especially a presidency where people kind of they tune in for that the horse race the presidency so people do vote on uh, higher levels for president mm -hmm. but how the sausage is made i mean i think you, you talk about barack obama or even donald trump they they say a lot of things like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that why can't they it's because there's a whole bunch of other people that have that are paid are paid off so even if even if you could get a, a a completely uh politician who was came out of nowhere you know is a billionaire doesn't you know doesn't speak to any of the other interests he can only do so much because he's got to get congress involved and they have their own incentives and most of them have incentives that don't align i mean again we can talk about the great stories you know, can talk about the barack obamas mm -hmm. that came out of nowhere the uh, uh, they had top Ocasio Cortez's and Republicans have a few of that, like the, the Mike Lee's uh, uh, from Utah. They came out of nowhere. A uh, guy who beat Eric Cantor who was a yes high level Republican. Yes, those stories exist, but those are literally five stories. Yeah, those um, outliers, right? Well, that's yeah, what I said. Oftentimes, if you look at the extremes, though, it, it gives you insight, right? Because the only the only real way to change this is that people as a whole get educated. Like going all the way back to medieval times, right? The biggest thing I can do is to keep my constituents as dumb as possible and as busy with their jobs as possible, right? And then if that's not enough, I got to make them squabble with each other on a local level. And then I got to squabble with other countries to make ourselves look good. Like all these different distractions, right? And it wasn't until like, yeah. you know, when the Moors were at the their doorsteps, right? With, when their thoughts was from everything, everybody, I don't care how poor you are, I don't care what gender you are, you will know how to read, you will know, understand the scientific method, you will know how to, you know, do all these things, right? You're going to be educated. And it really, um, it made a more fair society. Like even in ancient Egypt, my wife and I stumbled upon this because we were trying to figure out like, when did this hierarchy thing happen? What happened with this patriarchal stuff? Like, when did that come into play? And ancient Egypt, it was men and women working together. Women owned businesses. Women were able to get divorces if they didn't like their husbands. You know, it was a more cohesive unit, you know, until some, some, uh, some of our, uh, you know, colony brethren who was like, no, 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 no. Don't let the women read. Don't let the, the kids, like, read either. Make, put them all in the fields or put them in the kitchens. Men are more important than women, so on and so forth. And that's how you build a sophisticated society. Right? Look at our clothes. Yeah. Look at my powdered wig that's hiding my syphilis. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Look that up. Look that up. The reason yeah. they wore powdered wigs was because they were riddled with syphilis. And because the rich did it, everyone else started doing it to try to make themselves look a certain way. And hence why you have some countries who still practice that. Nuts. Okay. Well, it's all a story. Yeah. yeah. It's good stories. Or they're, or, they're, or they're full of syphilis and still. So maybe they, they still have a syphilis problem. Or that, um, right, right. But nobody yeah, can tell these no, days. Yeah, nobody can tell. No, I, yeah, I mean, yes, uh, as a as a general thing, I would say yes. Education is 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 important. I mean, yeah, if you don't if you don't know what you don't know what you don't know, right? So if you don't know the system, um, so yeah, I've, I've definitely if I again it was king of the king of the world and I made choices. I think civics is definitely undertaught. Um, you know how you know I've advocated. And I, I think actually um, I've seen some in my state that actually tried to do this with requirement. Like there's some basic, you know, life stuff. It's like I took I took British literature as a requirement in my senior year of high school. Wow. Now I couldn't even tell I couldn't even tell you a single book that I had to read. But I never, not once, had a class on credit card interest, compounding interest. And yes, we had a math class, but we never really focused on. How to handle a 401k what to do you know it, it, these are these are things that every, no, i don't care if you're a janitor or you're the ceo of a company you're going to have to deal with 
student loan debt, compounding interest, right. how min paying a minimum on a credit card, how that affects you over time, your credit, how credit scores work. Mm -hmm. the, I, I, it boggles my mind. The things that we all deal with that is not even taught as a basic instead of, I mean, again, British literature is great. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't see it's not, it's not, didn't harm me in any way, but if you had to make a choice, you have limited time and you are going to skip how to handle a credit card or British literature, you know, how do you, civics, again, we all should vote. We all have the ability to vote. Mm -hmm. Like, why is that not top priority? And then everything else? Yes. If I got to learn calculus, great. That it's not, that's not important, but right. we, we have limited time with the kids. And if you're not going to extend high school two more years, then you got to make choices. And I just, I question the choices sometimes that we're, again, we're, like you said before, we're stuck in the 1950s in education when right. we were number one, you know, and that's, that was great when we were number one, but mm -hmm. most of that is because of World War II and, you know, every place that we compete with now was bombed, in, you know, in the Stone Age. So that helps to be number one when nobody else is competing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you could, I've always said before, it's like, well, why, back they always say the golden age is the 1950s. And it's like, well, that's when, again, we were just better. I'm like, well, we were better because if you think about everybody we compete with now, China, bombed by Japan, Japan, bombed by us, England, bombed by Germany, Germany, bombed by us. You know, they, they were all, you know, France, bombed by Germany, all recovered. All these major first world countries were literally recovering buildings. They had no education system. And so yeah, mm -hmm. we were fine, and we were able to capitalize that on that, and we've been riding the coattails for a long time, and it's, well, the it's story, starting to catch its right? age. Yeah, we've been riding the story. So, right, that's a story of like that is because of our it's because of our ingenuity. It's like well, yes, but no, it's not not that, but it's also because you know you're going to win a race if nobody else is running, you know, or if everybody's got well, broken nobody, legs. Nobody, yeah. nobody also wants to look at some of the harder realities, right? More harsh. Reality. It's like, how does a teenager uh, or toddler country surpass, you know, Spain, Britain, and all these great countries that have been established for centuries, right? Well, it's unpaid labor and unlimited natural resources. Like that. I mean, that's the secret to American greatness. Like, if I if I'm a comp if I start a company right now with my kids and I don't pay my kids, I'm gonna do a lot better with somebody who is paying their workforce, right? So that's a huge part yeah. of it. But then on the flip side, now I need you guys not to know your own history, right? I need, you know, poor, black, brown, white, whoever. I need you poor to be in the fields working hard and not paying attention to this stuff, right? There's a reason why we barely ever crack 50% in voting turnout because a lot of it is voter suppression, which is my, why it's so frustrating for me when I hear somebody not voting it's like, well, why are you not voting? Well, because how hard they make it. Don't you think they're making it that hard because it's something worthwhile past all those blockades? Like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, there are a lot of things I don't agree with, but it's not going to change unless you change it, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know, man. And it all goes back to this ideal of we're, being, we're just getting too top-heavy. So what's happening? We're getting way too top-heavy. Yeah. The rich are finding every way possible not to pay taxes. So you leave it to we little people who can't afford to pay, you know, that much in tax, right? Looking at those numbers I talked about before, the richer the neighborhood, the better the healthcare, the education, the policing, the jail systems, right? Their laws, because they understand that, you know, we can complain about compounding interest and all these things not being a part of the curriculum, but we parents are the ones who set the curriculum based on who we vote for. And we're just not exercising yep. that that muscle as much as we need to. But uh, look, I, I'm keeping you way past your time. Like, last words, anything to promote? I know I'm going to throw a, a video on here, very ghetto-like, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll talk through that. Uh, I mean, la yeah, <laughs> nothing to promote. I definitely don't have a podcast or anything. Yes, uh, I'm going to work on that. Promote on my end. Yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> Well, like I said, maybe I maybe I do have a podcast. I have Officer Norman. I don't know, but uh, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, I guess I, I'll, I'll speak to your last point uh, to, to, to put a finer point on it. Yeah, I mean, I 
I think that we need to, I think a lot of times the, the poor white Republicans in Iowa and West Virginia have so much more in common with the poor folks in Atlanta and black people in Chicago than, I, more than they have a part. And it's, it's that, that's the part that's crazy to me is that they seem like they're on opposite ends of the political spectrum. But I'm like, if you put down a list of all the things that are problems in your life, Mm-hmm. Yes, there are going to be a few, you know, skin color issues are going to be one of them. But the, the big things, finding a good job, child care, health care, the things that really impact your life day in and day out that you struggle with, that really are just everything to you, like that affects West Virginia, the poor West Virginia, poor Ohio, poor New Mexico, poor Georgia. And it seems like, but they're, one's Republican, conservative, one's Democrat, liberal, and not, neither the two shall come together. And I'm like, if, if Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter could come together as a voting block because they have much of the same issues, yeah, then you, you can't, I mean, take a page out of the Tea Party. You know, they were a small yeah. group and now they have people with their, they are, I'm a Tea Party Republican. There is not one, I'm a Black Lives Matter congressperson. I am a Occupy Wall Street Senator. And if you can do that, I think that's, that's connect those two together, educate, like you were saying, and then you can challenge. But as long as, again, the powerful and keep us separated and ed- uneducated, that's, that's the changing can happen. Man, that's it. Officer Mike Lee, uh, or oh, actually one more thing before you go. Because what you're speaking to is values, right? You know, we got to sit down and just take a deep breath and figure out what we are going to decide to value. You know, some a lot of times you hear people's values and they don't match up with what they're actually doing. You know, I know I've been guilty of that myself. Like, I value you know, a healthy body and being able to walk upstairs without breathing hard. But I have not put down the Twinkies and the Doritos. You know, so what I'm doing in actuality is valuing those sweet, delicious carbs and sugar over my own health. You know, I was talking to my uh, wife uh, about a stat that just blew my mind, man. So I think it's like somewhere between 80 to 90 percent of people who are prescribed medications for whatever reason don't take them properly right about half of that those people never even get them prescribed so imagine i've got a pain in my side i go see somebody they tell oh we know what the problem is here's a piece of paper take this and you'll feel better in a month and then people don't even take the paper in now that's the mindset that we're dealing with here right what do we value you value time some people value money right people who value money they're gonna get validated but that's a never-ending hunger, right? Whereas right. you, you value time with your family, so you're gonna have more moments like this. Uh, Keep working, Mace. Bring him back down. Bring him back down, buddy. There you go. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Keep working. Keep working. Keep working. There you go. Half, half, half now. Half now. Ah. Follow the cameraman. Keep working, Mason. Get that half in. On the right, half on the right, half on the right, half on the right, Mace. Oh, that other guy is struggling. There you go, grab that, grab it. Stand his. up. I can't. Still, Keep fighting, Mason. Good job, buddy. Don't quit. Still doesn't listen to me. So, you know, there you go. Work that half in now. Keep working. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's again. I, I think just in happier terms. I mean, we're we a lot of people just suffer from unhappiness, no matter where they at, and you just got to sit down and be. It's just being honest with yourself. What do I, what do I want out of this mm-hmm. life that I have? And then, you know, I always tell I tell everybody uh, between the, the difference between wishing and wanting. Mm-hmm. Wishing, we all wish. You know, I wish I had six pack abs again. I wish I had a billion dollars. Okay. I mean, yeah, if you want to have six pack abs and say, okay, look, you have to give up carbs. You're going to have to exercise another hour a day. And it's like, well, I don't, 
I don't want to do that. Okay, well then you wish you had six pack abs. If you want six pack abs, you will do those things. And that we, there's nothing wrong with wishing for things. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying you want something and you don't want to do the things required to do it, then you just wish and you got to be honest mm -hmm. with yourself. And that's about priorities, like you said, values. What do I value? What do I want? If you want to be the CEO of the company you work for, well, you're probably going to have to work a lot of hours and not get paid. Stay after when nobody else is there. Sacrifice with your family. And that, that's the, giving you the best chance to do that. You know, mm -hmm. that's what you want. If that's not what you want, if you just want to spend time with your family and you're still working 80 hours, what are you doing? You're, you're, right. you're doing the opposite of what you what you really want in your life. And I think a lot of people, again, I, we all do it in some form. Um, you know, we all struggle with that and it's just, it's hard and I just, we all just need to be honest with ourselves and what we want and go for it and, you know, do what's required. That's it, man. Look, I feel a little bit safer knowing you out there in the world. Uh, we need more people like you. Officer Mike Lee, thanks uh, so much for joining us. You're going to have to come back, man. Uh, you know where I'm at. Yes, sir. Appreciate it.